Let's pray together. Father, it would be our desire, as Irene sang, to be yielded to you, to let you show us our hearts, our strengths, our struggles, our victories, and so on. And as we interact with your word, we want to be sensitive to you, applying your word in our life. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. When you hear the following words, what thoughts come to your mind? And this is a thought question. When you hear painful trials, what comes to your mind? When you hear suffering, what comes to your mind? When you hear sufferings of Christ, what comes to your mind? Do you place suffering and blessed in the same sentence? Let's take our Bibles and read together 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Beginning with verse 12. 1 Peter 4, beginning with verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian... Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then... Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Now, the context of 1 Peter chapter 4, if you go back to chapter 1 of 1 Peter, it's not the first time that Peter has talked about trials and difficulties in verse 6 of chapter 1. In this you greatly rejoice, that is, on the future, inheritance, And this you greatly rejoice, so for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in glory, or praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So there he mentions suffering. In chapter 2, and verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. The battle with sinful desires. In chapter 2, 18 through 25, he talked about slaves and masters, and apparently slaves were going through some difficulty as they seek to walk with God. In chapter 3, he said, Who is going to harm you? In verse 13, if you're eager to do good. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. 
The suffering of Peter's hearers is not coming due to positions on social issues, such as marriage or freedom of speech, but just from walking with God day by day. And as we think about this passage in 1 Peter chapter 4, I think it's important that we understand that suffering for one's faith can be normal, and not that everyone suffers as greatly as the hearers did in this passage, but it's not abnormal to suffer. In Matthew chapter 5, if you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 5, we find that Jesus, in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, talks about blessed people. And he says in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you falsely, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You turn it over to Hebrews. We find there he too mentions that the people to whom he is writing were going through some difficulty in Hebrews 10 and verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you received the light, when you stood your ground in great contest contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So again, it's not abnormal to be going through difficulty because one obeys Christ or one is walking with God. We find also in Revelation chapter 2 that as Christ is speaking to one of the churches. He talks about persecution that they were going through. So suffering from one's faith may be somewhat normal. And I think we acknowledge that some people in some countries go through much more suffering because of their faith than others. But Peter is writing to people, again, who are suffering in the normal routine of obeying God. Scripture, and I mention this in light of our culture today, does not instruct believers to attempt to stop persecution of other believers in one's own country or other countries. It seems like in our mindset in America, sometimes we think persecution shouldn't happen. And the thrust of Scripture is it is life. It happens. And again, some countries may be greater than others. Peter doesn't say, try to stop anything. But he says, don't be surprised when it comes. We should pray for those who are going through persecution. But yet it is a reality. Although we intuitively know that suffering is somehow not the way life is meant to be, Peter makes a startling claim that suffering should come as no surprise to the Christian. In fact, when suffering comes for the right reason, 
It is an op- actually an opportunity for joy and blessing. Peter explains that to suffer for being a Christian is to suffer according to God's will. This indicates that the one who chose to suffer for being a Christian, rather than turning from following Christ, is already going through future judgment that will, in the end, separate God's people from those who reject him. So Peter talks about the blessing of suffering in verses 12 through 16 of chapter 4. Suffering now as eschatological or future judgment and trusting God even while suffering. He says, dear friends, Peter also addressed them as dear friends in chapter 2 and verse 11, where he reminded them that they were aliens and strangers in the world. And dear friends comes from the Greek word agape, which is talking about what I might call God's style of love. Involves a relationship of unconditional commitment. And within the body of Christ, there is to be a deep relationship. Because in chapter 1 and verse 22, he talked about loving one another. In chapter 4 and verse 8, he talks about love covering over a multitude of sins. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are experiencing As we think about that, I want us to reflect on our culture. In our American culture, in American Christian culture, we consider suffering and hard times to be abnormal and to be avoided in every possible way. That tends to be our mindset, whatever type of suffering whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual, whether it be financial, relational persecution, just get me out of this. I finished reading a book by Andrew Bronson, who spent almost two years in a Turkey prison. And he described some of his spiritual battle as he was going through the two years in prison in Turkey. And as I read through it, I thought, hmm, But yet, he came through intact. But yet, some deep, deep suffering, not only physically and mentally, but also spiritually. And part of his mindset was that this shouldn't be happening. And again, that seems to be permeated in our culture pretty strongly. If suffering and hard times can't be avoided... They're to be dealt with quickly and effectively so that normal life can resume. Again, that we tend to think that way. And Peter says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trials you're suffering. Modern Western society has for many centuries been largely shaped by the Judeo-Christian ethic that accepted the values of Christians Thus, little conflict or persecution. That's 
you know, where we are. And that God works in our country as well as other countries. This mindset is changing quickly in America. Thus, more and more Christians are at odds with our culture just by living normal in daily living. We're tempted many times to compromise our faith or choose to be silent to avoid persecution. Now, in light of what Peter is saying, in light of the culture in which we live, just some examples of a changing culture in our country. We would hear many times that there are many ways to God. Thus, there's a resistance towards claiming that Christ is the only way. We more and more have a culture that there's no right or wrong. You decide. Everyone is right. You do it your way, I do it my way, but no one is wrong. The whole issue of sexuality is changing tremendously. Marriage, whatever goes. Individualism, my way. There's a growing resistance to authority, not only of civil authority, but family authority and church authority. We become more and more pragmatic. The end justifies the means. What will bring results? The level of commitment is pretty much across the board decreasing. We want big government. We want big church. We want big speakers. We want big music. We have a tremendous access to knowledge where we don't think as deeply as we may have just because at the click of a button we can get what we need to know. And those items that I mentioned, I don't say them critically or negatively. It's happening. The result is going to be that there will be more trial, more painful suffering, because just living normal life is going to result in some rejection where we are not understood. If you merely apply some of what Peter has already said, In verse 15 of chapter 1, be holy as I am holy. People will think you're strange if you don't go along with our style of evil. And that may result in some verbal response on their part. If you choose to return kindness for evil, you bless rather than curse when someone insults you. People won't understand and they might poke fun at you. As a husband is seeking to love his wife and treat her with respect, another man may say, what's wrong with you? Why are you treating your wife so well? Just a normal living. You may choose not to use your internet in certain ways and Other people may say, well, here's how I use my internet, and they access things that are not good. And you say, well, I don't do that. 
and then you may heap some insult on you. Whether it be in the day of Peter's culture, the people to whom he is writing in Asia, in Galatia, or it be us today, he says, don't be surprised. Don't be staggered. Don't be amazed that this is happening. Don't be surprised at the painful trials you're experiencing. The Greek word for painful trials is fiery, a burning. Don't be surprised. And they were going through some difficulties from a co-worker, from family, and so on. It wasn't coming from government. But don't be surprised at the trials. A trial is a putting to test. No approving. Is this person genuine? And they came in that day and would come today due to living one's faith as an alien and as a stranger. That is, the, our home is not here. In chapter 4, he said, They think it's strange that you do not plunge in with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. So I go back 40, well, be over 50 years now, living with a family, and the one boy said, Dan, come over to my room. And uh, I said, nah, I don't want to come today or tonight. I could tell by the tone of his voice that he wanted me to... participate in looking at some magazines that he had. It took a little abuse over a period of time for that, just because I wanted to stay on the right track. That's where Peter is coming from. You know, they're just living out their life, but they heap abuse. So a wife is seeking to respond to her husband in a godly way in light of 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, seeking to be submissive and not putting him in order and developing a gentle and a quiet spirit. And other women say to her, what's wrong with you? You need to put him in his place. And she takes some abuse. Painful trial that comes just simply from Obeying. The heating of gold is to make it more pure. The fact that one may be tested indicates some genuineness. The fact that someone may experience some negative reaction in these space indicates there's something going on, there's something genuine. Otherwise, it would not even be a reality. But Peter says, don't be surprised at the painful trials. You're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. And the idea of strange is not acquainted with. Be acquainted with the fact that 
living for God may result in some trials along the way. Don't think it's strange. I don't want to be acquainted with that. Be acquainted with the thinking that trials may come. Shift to thinking that trials may come in walking with God just because you're simply obeying God. Don't think it's strange. Now, in light of our culture, I'm going to present some questions, and I'm not looking for answers. Just as Peter's hearers needed to live well as they walk with God in that culture, we need to do the same today. How much effort should Christians put into keeping our freedoms? Not looking for an answer, but we need to think about that. Are we called to keep America Christian? How are we viewed when we fight to keep our freedoms? How does the world see us? Are we trusting in our freedoms rather than Christ? Are we attempting to avoid suffering? Got to keep our country the way it is. We don't want to suffer. Are we demanding? As we live in our culture, are we using words? like they're the very words of God. Not answering those, Lord willing, sometime in the not-too-distant future, we will respond to living in our culture and the many things that are taking place with grace. But Peter says, don't think it's strange that this is happening. But he says, rejoice. that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. The idea of rejoice is to view with approval. So going back to the hearers in Hebrews, their property was confiscated. View that with approval because that property being confiscated came because they were a believer in Christ. Rejoice to see as a beneficial opportunity. Rejoice. How can trials for obedience be beneficial? Thinking through that. How can trials be beneficial? They demonstrate genuine faith. Participate in the sufferings of Christ. And they form character. Don't think it's strange that you're suffering, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Christ suffered for obedience to the Father, and his followers doing the same. Rejoice that you participate. You have in common, you're associated with the sufferings of Christ. Let's take our Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. 
in the context talking about Christ being our great high priest. Verse 7, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Notice he offers up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. And then in the the end of verse 7, because of reverent submission, and in verse 8 he learned obedience from what he suffered. In chapter 2, of First Peter, we find in verse 21, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Participate in the sufferings of Christ. Christ suffered as he came to this earth in obedience to the Father. Peter says, you may suffer some because of your obedience to Christ. Rejoice in that because you participate in the sufferings of Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, I want to know Christ. Power of his resurrection, and then he says, to know the sufferings of Christ. I want to participate in them. In 2 Corinthians 1, 5, chapter 1 and verse 5 and chapter 4, along with 2 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about the sufferings that he went through. Now, I want to make a distinction for Paul, the sufferings he went through. He was an apostle. He went through sufferings that most people would never go through because he was an apostle and he traveled in various parts of the world. But yet, Paul would indicate that there may be some suffering. Peter says the same. But we don't compare sufferings. Because an apostle, they went through things that the followers did not go through. But yet, there may be some suffering for any given individual. But Peter says, rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ in their day-by-day living, the routine of obeying God, some suffering came. Not the same as Paul experienced, not the same as Peter experienced. But Paul, or Peter says rather, rejoice. As you experience these sufferings, Why? So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And as we'll touch on next week, Peter talked about that earlier. As he talked about trials and difficulties and what's coming with Christ. So I would pose a question. Are we willing to suffer as we remain faithful to Christ? Not looking for it, 
but if it comes. But gently and firmly stand by Jesus. Even when, one some, when someone says, Jesus isn't the only way. Willing to be laughed at when you don't participate in some talk that tears down others. Work hard your entire day in spite of criticism. You work too hard. What's wrong with you? You goody two-shoe. Or maybe take some response if you share your understanding of what God says about marriage and sexuality. Hence, there's some criticism. Are we willing to stand firm for Christ? In the 21st century, as our culture may move away from what we're used to for hundreds of years. Here is some maple sap. Here is some maple syrup. I do need a volunteer. Okay, come on up, Micah. This is maple sap. I'm sorry. Yeah, sap. Take a little sip of it. See what you think of it. Turn around so they can see your expression. Okay, that's enough. Now we're turn around, let them. Is there a difference between the two? Which do you like better? Sap. Sap. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for participating. If you want to try it afterwards, you can. You decide which is better. I asked Arden, you know, to get me some sap and some syrup. Sap becomes syrup. By going through the process of boiling for a number of hours and what happens? Evaporation takes place. You can't take sap and get syrup without the fire. So you can use sap or syrup. You decide whichever is your preference. But you can't go from one to the other without fiery trials. And think about life. That if we're living for God, we're obedient. And that does bring some difficulty that God is producing, if you please, syrup. Even though Micah likes sap. Still producing syrup. God does not waste the hardships of Peter's hearers. And if we go through some hardships in our day-by-day living, and if the future there may be more hardships, remember, God is at work. Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, Father,
as we live in our culture today, we want to be faithful to you. We want to live in sensitivity to you. We want to live in obedience to you and your word. We want to be sensitive to other people that you bring into our lives to move us on in obedience. And we recognize that the culture to which Peter is writing is much different than our culture today. So we need wisdom to live well in our culture as we faithfully obey you. We ask for wisdom as we strive to be faithful. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed.